Hello and welcome everyone to the inaugural podcast by Chandra Ghosh Jain. She is an acclaimed writer of fiction. Today she will be reading out one of her stories from the collection of short stories titled Meem Sahib and the Thief. The title of the story is Shri Ram Comes to JNU, which I found to be one of the most interesting stories in the collection. This takes us into the life of JNU, Jawaharlal Nehru University, from the point of view of Shri Ram, who manages to enroll as a student in the Economics Center. The story is typical as JNU is constantly in the news. Thanks for downloading this podcast. One small favor, it would be really amazing and appreciated if you write a review from where you get the podcast and spread the word. Shri Ram comes to JNU. So you want to carry out research on ethics and economics? The balding professor stared at Shri Ram in mocking disbelief. The other two members of the interview board looked bored and uninterested. The young man was chastened. And can you tell us what you mean by that? This came from the elderly lady professor who smiled encouragingly at him. Well ma'am, by ethics I mean what is morally right and economics is not always about what is right. Economics uninformed by moral purpose is freak economics. If you're good at finding out why things are the way they are, you should be able to recommend how they can be improved. Prescriptive economics means taking positions. Should poverty be tackled by encouraging creation of wealth or by a greater equitable distribution of it, for example? Shiram fumbled, perspiring a little. Prologue. It was hot and humid and the slow wearing fan didn't help matters. Shiram was cursing himself for taking up Sita's challenge. She had laughed and mockingly stated, "Ah, dear Ram, you're so outdated. Nowadays the young have no time for you or your lofty moral values." He had raised an inquiring eyebrow. "My dear misguided Sita, I'm well remembered even in a place as modern and apparently godless as JNU, Jawaharlal Nehru University. The president of the students' union is called Siaram Pillai." His parents may have been god-fearing and named him after us but you can go and find out how he actually leads people to make fun of us. Sita's repost had been ironical. Imagine having a name like Siaram and being an atheist. Shiram wanted to kick himself for having fallen for the old I dare you trick. Hadn't he suffered enough to wish to seek more suffering? It was a moment of madness that had made him state grandly. I will get admission as a research student at Economic Center and let you know firsthand that my ideas still hold good. He had already started to regret his impulsiveness and wished to escape. There was no loyal sidekick Lakshman to make his journey easier. Sita, after years or was it ends of marriage, did not want to accompany him. She just wanted to be an observer. There was no word given to a dying father to give him that rush of valor. He had just stepped into a trap and was terribly uneasy. A bearded bespectacled man met him as he emerged from the room. Ah, Shri Ram. How did the interview go? Shri Ram mopped his brow with a grey checkered hanky and sorrowfully shook his head. Not too well. They were not happy with my answers. Don't worry, you will get admission. Shri Ram looked at him in surprise. How are you so sure? The bespectacled man smiled. I'm Vinod Bhaskaran, member of the students union. also full time research student at the school of international studies south asian studies at the continued look of bewilderment on shriram's face vinod patted him on his shoulder in an avuncular way we are here to help new students and welcome them to our university 
I have checked your documents and your district is covered under backward area. Thus you will be given some extra points. Your academic performance added to it will get you through. Shiram was thoroughly impressed. The university's policy is to provide high quality education to all besides reaching out to the underprivileged masses. Shiram seemed a trifle uncomfortable. Although I agree with the policy, but tell me, are you one of those Marxists? I'd heard that they all kept beards and carried cholas and wore long kurtas. Shiram tried to look apologetic and hoped Vinod wouldn't take offense. The other man looked at him and gave a loud guffaw. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I hate all these pseudo communists. I am a free thinker. Shiram was bemused. But doesn't everybody think freely? Vinod took out a beady from his cavernous kurta pocket, lit it and blowing smoke rings stated, "The SFI students wing of CPM believes in brainwashing its cadres. They think only what their leaders allow them to think." A tall attractive girl called out, "Vinod, you've already begun wooing the new students?" Without waiting for a reply, she continued, "Shiram, the admission list will be put up later in the evening. Do you want to have lunch at the Kamal complex?" The offer coming from such a bright-eyed, determined young lady was hard to refuse. Shiram happily acquiesced. He was surprised to observe Amrita walked with such long strides. Amrita Rao was the name of this delightful lady who, despite wearing a beautiful handloom sari with a maroon border, walked very briskly. Shiram was openly admiring her energy and her capacity to talk non-stop. By the time they reached the restaurant, Shiram had been briefed about the dubious ways of the free thinkers. their rank opportunism and how much the SFI had done for the welfare of the students when she was busy giving a waiter the order he could look around and observe the vibrant bougainvillea and the boulders that made the place seem quite heavenly the waiter was deferential to her while quite comradely with the other students shiram discovered later that amrita's father was the dean of students as welfare and looked after the karmcharis union as well and this explained the waiter's behavior Professor Rao was a portly professor in the School of International Studies and taught international law. He was a genial and well-liked man and he doted on his daughter. "What? You will eat only one paratha?" Amrita was surprised. She was helping herself to the third greasy stuffed paratha. "Such heavy food. Where did it all go?" wondered Shriram, glancing at the swelled figure beside him. "Where are you staying?" Munirka with a distant kaka from the village mumbled Shriram Amrita appeared concerned You can stay in the guest house I can get special permission I will move into the hostel as soon as the admission formalities are over Shriram was surprised at Amrita's generosity and the assumption that he would get admission A rather handsome young man with a weak stubble came up and draped himself around Amrita She smiled and radiated quiet joy Hi I am Sirohi So you're joining the center? As Shriram was wondering at the new entrant's prophetic powers, Amrita stated, "You see, with your brilliant marks and viva performance, plus the backward area points added on, most of us are sure about your admission." Siroi has been working with Professor Sahu for the last couple of years. He's also teaching economics at Ramlal College. He added with pride. Only the evening one, where the boys are rather louds. come not to listen to the pearls of wisdom i dropped during my lectures but just for attendance siroi said amidst general laughter shriram heard a soft giggle accompanied by ramlal and louds whispered in his ear and lady shriram he laughed out aloud he became embarrassed the others were staring at his outburst
Lady Shri Ram College for Girls too is one of the best. Sero he declared smiling meaningfully at Amrita. One of the many uh, admirers and hangers on piped up. She was the college president. Shri Ram was impressed. Sita's voice was definitely audible. Ha. But my dear Lord Ram, you would have never allowed such audacious women around a college in your name. He said rather loudly. But Shri Ram College of Commerce is considered one of the good colleges. Sirohi exclaimed. What has Shri Ram got to do with the girls this college? Oh, he feels a certain bonding there since they are named after Shri Ram, right? Amrita's lilting voice finished the discussion. Amazing. Was she a mind reader? He could sense Sita's discomfort. Was she jealous? Shri Ram was busy unpacking his meager belongings in the room allotted to him. He was pondering over his new situation. He had been given accommodation in the Ganga hostel, which was in Uttarakhand block, which also had Satluj, another men's hostel, and Jhelum, a women's block. He was admiring the fine view of the Qutub Minar from his balcony when someone knocked and without waiting for an answer entered. Tall, fair, with a radiant pink and white complexion, he spoke with a typical Haryanvi accent. You are Shri Ram Chandra? Shri Ram nodded. The other man smiled. I am also Shri Ram Chandra Dahiya. I am a jar from Delhi Dehat. I am doing an MPhil in history. What is your last name? With so many Shri Rams in JNU, how come this place hadn't yet, been, hadn't yet received Ram Raj? A man wondered. Then he mumbled. Probably Singh. Ram Chandra Singh, you are also a Jat. No, Brahmin then. Oh ho, a Rajput. Rather odd. The young man suddenly looked thunderous for some reason. Shri Ram felt uncomfortable. To what do I owe this honor of your visit? He asked rather nervously. Ah, you have never given, been given my library tickets by mistake. I have come to take them. What about mine? Shri Ram asked. You have to go to the librarian and sign up again, stated Dahiya, pocketing his library cards. Shiram was downcast. The last visit to get his tickets had been a marathon round of signatures, and finally the last signature had been signed and stamped. The clerk had informed him then that he would get his tickets only the next day, as office hours were over. What's the matter? You don't have to go over the whole process again. Just show them your identity card and collect them. Just make sure the name and address match. There are other Shirams in JNU. Dahiya settled down on the only chair in the room and surveyed it patronizingly. His eyes alighted on the large shining poster of Lord Shiva which Sri Ram had discreetly pasted on the inside of his cupboard door. This will not do. You will be the laughing stock of the campus. Here boys put up posters of Che Guevara, Marx and Lenin. Maybe even a Hema Malini is understandable. But Shiva in this day and age? Dahiya looked at Sri Ram as if the latter suffered from some mental deficiency. Shinram had never had to defend his thoughts or choices before. Even Ravan, his arch-enemy, claimed to worship Shiva. So he began very weakly. Shiva is the creator, destroyer and nurturer of all life. If you worship him, he will grant all your wishes. At this, Dahiya emitted a huge guffaw. The Shiv Mandir in my village has a priest who is always in a state of nirvanic bliss. He dopes so heavily that all the urchins of the village keep throwing the idol of Shiv and Durga on the ground just to wake him up, or for pure entertainment. Sometimes my Amma or rather other compassionate souls dust them off and put them back in place, only for the whole circus to begin again. 
You should come to my village and see for yourself," he added, noting the look of growing alarm and disbelief on Shiram's face. A short-haired girl with an unblemished roses and cream complexion popped her head into the room. "Do you know where Romanto is?" she inquired in a nasal accent. Dahiya's eyes gleamed with delight, while Shiram was nonplussed. "Oh, you're new here." Stillwell Romanto lives in the room opposite yours. The earlier occupant of this room, Virinder, was a good friend of his. Viru, Virinder Singh, was he the one doing German? Inquired Dahiya. The girl beamed. Her slanted eyes glowed. Yes, he was my classmate. Dahiya smiled dourly. He was from my mother's village. He went to Germany this month. Yes, yes, and Tara had got a job in the embassy there. I hope they are happy being together. The girl appeared lost in the thought of their romance. She lit a cigarette and took a long drag. Not- noticing the combined stares of the Shrirams, she offered hastily, "Ah, do you want a fag?" Daya became all avuncular and started off on all the ill effects of cigarette smoking in general and on women in particular. Shriram was speechless and he could hear Sita giggling at his discomfiture. Just as Shriram was wondering how long the young lady intended to stay, A clean-shaven stocky man arrived with a guitar. "Star, were you waiting long? I had gone to get my string repaired. This is Stillwell Romanto and these are the two Shrirams." The girl announced gaily. She put her arms around the young man and they both disappeared into the room opposite. There was a silence followed by a del- deliberate clearing of Shriram's throat. "Are you married?" he asked rather abruptly. Before Shriram could say anything, Dahiya continued. I have been married since I finished my MA 5 years ago and began teaching at Rohtak University. I am here on a teaching fellowship. I have two sons and my wife is expecting the third child. Aha, I managed to escape the great vasectomy drive of the emergency by becoming a student here. He appeared happy at his cunning in giving the government a slip. Shiram gaped at him in wonder. Dahiya continued bitterly. All the cronies of Surjit used to drag us young men and forcibly sterilize us. Do you know how many men almost died of post-operative complications? How many suffered permanent damage to their self-esteem by such coercion? Oh, she tried to emasculate us. With our poor health facilities, many young children die as it is in the infancy. After this forced sterilization, no one can have children again. All this in the name of controlling population growth. They forced all government employees to get it done. it only strengthened their desire to get her and her son out so as soon as the elections were declared all of us voted as one how we hated her for this see finally we voted her out how she is being harassed as much as she troubled the common man now shriram noticed how agitated this young man had become come let's go to gopal's dhaba for a cup of tea he offered oh so you like tea the latter appeared so confounded that shriram almost blushed in embarrassment Yes, ever since Amrita made me drink it, I have taken quite a liking to it. Don't get involved with girls like Amrita. They sweet talk you to becoming a party member and then you are stuck and branded a communist, Daya warned. What's wrong with that? asked Shriram. Are you don't you feel frightened? Communists never get a job. But Sirohi is already working, began Shriram. Only teaching jobs or scholarships to Cambridge where their professors with sympathetic leanings admit them. But for the IAS or IPS, the police verification rules rule them out. Shriram digested this bit of information silently. 
to himself he muttered i thought we were in a democracy aloud he said but i have already signed on for a marxist study circle you know where i come from such thinkers are not taught at all dehia's mouth opened in amazement who is taught marx in this college me with my m in history only did this did his theory here don't sign at least for party membership they added you might find yourself behind bars shiram protested but for what i have done nothing criminal there was an air of anticipation in front of gopal's dhaba many young men and women were getting into a waiting dtc bus shiram spotted gayatri sinha another petite young girl with shining black cascading hair that she left open for good effect sitting in the bus she waved to him come on and why are you so late i had told you that the bus would leave at 3:30 pm and it's already 4 o'clock daya don't drag your feet shiram marveled at her organizational skills he was old enough in the university to know that half the men were in love with gayatri sinha and her emotional appeal her speeches often made the dullest sfi candidate scrape through the election not surprisingly she didn't have too many women friends even within her party they resented the way she hogged the limelight Today she was sporting a dull brown khadi kurta over blue jeans complete with a large cloth bag slung on her shoulder. Her eyes flashed fire as she called out, "Down with the gang of four." The others responded by repeating loudly, "Down, down." The effect was electric. There was more slogan shouting and the bus began moving slowly out of the campus. "Where are we going?" Shriram asked a bespectacled young man squeezed next to him at the back of the bus. We are having a demonstration in front of the parliament. The VC was a stooge of the former government and he allowed the cops inside the campus. With his connivance and that of three other professors including the dean of students' welfare, the students' leaders were arrested and jailed during the emergency. Shiram asked, "But Amrita is also part of the rally. I saw her sitting on the front seat of the bus. She couldn't be working against her father." The young man gave him an intense look which said oh so you already know amrita there was professor gundu rao who was the dean of students welfare before he teaches statistics in center for regional development awfully mean sort of man takes pleasure in failing his students amrita's father is much more amiable the bus stopped in front of barricade outside the parliament lots of other students had already gathered there and were busy shouting slogans Shiram noticed with rising alarm a whole posse of policemen in fighting gear standing impassively behind. Suddenly there was a commotion and students were jumping across the cordon. A blow aimed with a heavy stick hit Shiram on his ear. The world spun around and grew dark. Next he became aware of sitting in a cramped position among other students. It was inside a police van. We have all been arrested, a girl with two long plaits and deep dimples informed him quite cheerfully. Madhumita just check whether Shiram still bleeding this was Sirohi's voice soft tender fingers touched his wound ever so gently no it stopped the cop was hitting out blindly in fact i ducked and shiram poor thing got the main impact of it the girl explained the events quite graphically although he was weak and dizzy shiram asked where are they taking us bhai to the tihar jail a deep voice intoned but no one appeared very perturbed Suddenly the van stopped and a surly cop opened the door. They were surrounded by fields. "Get out," he commanded. As they trooped out, policemen and women advanced menacingly towards them. One caught Vedhi he roughly by her kurta sleeve. "What's your name?" "Shama Bain." 
एड्रेस 543 शास्त्री नगर नैनीताल फादर्स नेम राम प्रकाश बेन वॉट्स इज ऑक्यूपेशन ही इज अ प्रैक्टिसिंग लॉयर एट द इलाहाबाद हाई कोर्ट ऑल दिस वॉज बींग नोटेड राधर डिलीजेंटली बाई अनदर कॉप ही राम वॉचड इन ओपन आइड वंडर ही न्यू वेदर ही वॉज फ्रॉम जम्मू एंड हर फादर वॉज इन द आर्मी She was his classmate, and since she shared the same name as Sita, he had been particularly attracted towards her. He barely mumbled out his details. Father's name: Dashrat Singh. Address: Ten Ayodhya, UP. Whether he commented in a loud whisper, "You really can make things up." It was his turn to be surprised. But I am telling the truth. His whole head was feeling as if it was made up of sharp pins with flames on the points. Ha! We all know what you will be right that you will be writing the UPSC and don't want to have any police record. Shriram just groaned in pain. The tall slim girl pushed a cigarette into his hands. Here take this it will help you with your pain. Whether he giggled at the shocked look on Shriram's face. It's coke clearly yaar she drawled. The smoke almost set his head off. He felt he was being carried on wings. Maybe he was back with Lakshman Sita on some strange adventure. Shriram was sure he could hear Sita berate him for his foolishness. Why did you smoke that cigarette, bhai? It was filled with the most potent form of dope, Lakshman added woefully. When he came around, it was dark and he was lying on the ground in a shed. The round, pink, concerned face of Dahiya floated in. Yes, he's coming around. Arey, Ram, you gave us all a fright. He appears all right. Now try sitting up. We have arranged for a car to take you back, Siro, he said. Amrita filled him in with the details. The cops had left them at Mehroli outside Delhi. Fortunately, Dahiya's village was close by, so they all were bundled into local buses and tractors and sent back to the university. Since Shriram had been bleeding and unconscious, they had carried him to Dahiya's home. The next day's papers had the pictures of Shriram being thrashed by the cops splashed all over. It showed police brutality at its worst. Shriram appeared so helpless covering and covering his head with his arms against the attack with a bandaged head and an arm in a plaster Shriram was the center of all eyes at the general body meeting held the next evening on on Nilgiri lawns Most of the young men were laughing and narrating anecdotes of how they fooled the cops Some of them thought that Shriram was a trifle stupid to actually get bashed up It was okay to pretend but getting hurt There were several young men who had legs in plasters and arms in slings But they were all minor wounds dressed up for the press and the world to know how the innocent protesting students were victims of police atrocities. Only S Ram, the president of the students union, kept referring to Shri Ram as a silent martyr of the fascist regime at the center that was not bothered about the injustices heaped upon the students during the emergency by the gang of four. As Shri Ram walked back to his hostel, he was accompanied by a tall, slender young man. who was called Ramu by all but whose name was Ramchandra Sen this man was yet another revelation to him Ramu was passionate passionately fond of cricket and wrote about it in various magazines obviously aristocratic tall lean fair clean shaven and with a shock of wavy black hair he could have passed off as a hero of a hindi movie he was a fine year student at the center for history his parents were both working as senior government servants He disliked Esram for many reasons the most important being that they had belonged to the same college since Stevens and Esram in his earlier avatar had mercilessly ragged the former but Ramu did go to hear him on the election manifesto 
they are all humbugs Ishram's father is a senior bureaucrat and his grandfather was in the imperial police of the British Ramu informed him scornfully you mean he will also write the upsc like all the others asked shri ram disbelievingly well maybe not since he's so well entrenched with the comrades but look at his lifestyle a girlfriend from miranda house who's rolling in wealth have you ever seen esram participating in any labor union marches he will never soil his fingers doing grassroots work only be the leader ramu added scornfully shri ram queried but he has to look after the university and he's doing a pretty good job Besides, he has to finish his research in the prospects of Indian industries. He has written some very relevant papers. I heard him last week in the seminar on India's industrial growth rate. Ramu fell silent, and when they were wearing, nearing the Jhelum lawn, he commented, Is it S. Ram you like or is it Vedehi? Shri Ram considered the question and began, Vedehi. Ah, all the boys are so besotted by her tall, slender figure, and comely slightly bucktooth smile that esram or the party hardly ever have to make any effort at wooing newcomers he ended rather bitterly shriram said placatingly whether is in my batch you see she is working on status of agricultural women under the british raj with particular emphasis on bengal she is also very impressive ramu's face mirrored pity and scorn whether he belongs to a traditional zamindar family of bengal her father is a shipping tycoon All she had to do is go and ask around in her ancestral village and her field work is over. Ah, that explains the beautiful sari she is wearing. Even her skirts and jeans have such an artistic touch, commented Sri Ram. He could hear Sita growling. There's no fool like an old fool in his ears. As he entered his hostel, Sri Ram was greeted at the gate by Lakshman Singh the chokidar. Bhai, late ho gaye? It was both a statement and a question. Shiram nodded his bandaged head in reply. "Ha, GBM tha." The slightly cross-eyed man smiled. "So you're into politics already? Beware, this is a ploy to trap unsuspecting young girls and boys from a good family into becoming communists." In the best of times, Lakshman Singh appeared like a hoodlum. In the dim half-light of the entrance, he looked even more menacing. He lowered his voice and continued, "Saab, you're too innocent. You don't know what these boys and girls are up to." Shri Ram raised an inquiring eyebrow. In a loud, strange whisper, Lakshman began, "See, that girl Deepthi from French studies. She comes here to meet Nandan and leaves only in the morning. Oh, Saab, I can tell you lots more." "Hi, Shri Ram. Don't you know, think you should rest now?" Amrita called out. "Just going to," Shri Ram smiled. A waft of a strong perfume trailed behind her. "Ah, Saab, Amrita comes to meet Sirohi and leaves after an hour or so. She has to get back home." I wonder how her parents allow all this," lamented Lakshman. "Allow her what?" Shri Ram was getting tired of the innuendos of the gatekeeper. "Saab, you may like her, but she and Sirohi surely don't spend the time reading the Ramayana in the room." With that, he winked conspiratorially, which made him look gruesome. Shri Ram let out a long and deep sigh, shrugged his shoulders, which conveyed his helplessness, and marched up the steps towards his room. Unlocking his door and letting himself in, where he found his brother Lakshman sitting cross-legged deep in meditation. Shri Ram stepped back in panic, then hurriedly bolted his door. "Arey bhai, why have you come here?" he asked, his voice cracking in consternation. "People will rarely get frightened and throw me out of the university." At the other's stony silence, he blurted out, "I am tired of all the Lakshmans." The figure 
finally stirred, opened his eyes serenely and commented, Bhai, we were worried about you. Sita Bhabi also wanted to come and look after you. After you got hit on the head, I wanted to destroy all those cops, but you didn't let me. Brother Lakshman sounded a trifle let down as, Ram, as if Shiram had played spoil sport. And pray, why create panic and terror among the general public? Shiram asked in annoyance. But Bhai, they hit you, Lakshman said angrily. How can I stand and watch as a smooth spectator? I am a regular student here. I was breaking the law. The cops were doing their duty, Shiram explained gently to his hot-headed brother. He lay down and closed his eyes. Shiram felt the gentle fingers of Lakshman applying ointment to his injured head. Yes, it was soothing. The throbbing pain gradually decreased and he fell into a peaceful sleep. The next morning, Shiram woke to find Lakshman keeping watch over him. Oh, you don't need to worry. I wasn't that badly hurt. Bhai, ever since you have come here, you have been behaving very oddly. One never knows what with head injuries my poor brother might lose his mind altogether, exclaimed a worried Lakshman. Shiram gritted his teeth and forced himself to smile gently. Come, little brother, let's go for breakfast to the mess. At this, Lakshman perked up. Yes, I am quite hungry. Shiram stopped in his tracks. You can't go like this, he objected, looking at Lakshman up and down. Why, what's wrong? Lakshman was surprised. I mean, in a dhoti and kurta, I think of all the young men. I will be the laughing stock of the university. Shiram looked at his brother with growing unease. Reluctantly, Lakshman changed into a pair of trousers and complained that he now felt like a joker. Are Shiram, your bandages have come off, exclaimed Ramesh, the boy who sat in front of him at the dining table. Yes, my brother got me some medicines which helped, mumbled Shiram. He thought he ought to have continued to wear the bandages to keep people from guessing the truth. What does your younger brother do, Ramesh was persistent. Shiram was forced into saying, oh, he's studying in Allahabad. Ramesh was from Rajasthan and he got on with his tea. Bhai, there's nothing I would like to eat. I will take only some milk, announced Lakshman. They settled down in a deserted corner. Soon they were joined by a thin, gangly youth with bulging eyes. He brought his plate, overflowing with a double omelette, heavily buttered slices of bread and a glass of milk. Chota bhai hai, he asked Sri Ram, his mouth full of bread and eggs. Lakshman winced. Sri Ram nodded his head. Myself, Ram Nivais M. He extended a grubby hand towards Lakshman. I'm Lakshman. Wow, what a pair! exclaimed yet another youth with small, neat, close-set eyes. Ram Lakshman, I am M. Namo Ram. With so many Rams and Lakshmans, we should have Ram Raju on the campus. Shiram could have felt the anger barely holding on in check, emanating from his brother. He got up hurriedly. We have finished. I have to rush for my lecture. Bhai, there are very rude and ill-mannered students here, commented Lakshman. No, not all of them are offensive. The brothers exchanged glances at, as yet another bespectacled, long-haired man came and thumped Sri Ram heartily on the shoulder. Are bhai Sri Ram, where are you rushing? Sri Ram felt his head dislodge itself from his neck. He stuttered, classes Bhagchan. Okay, leave your little brother with me. Lakshman had no option but to trail back with him and watch the watch as Bhagchan filed his plate with paratha, omelettes and asked for a large glass of sugared milk with extra sugar. In between large mouthfuls, he told Lakshman what an important job he was doing. He was still assisting a sales tax office in Delhi. 
So what are you doing at the university? queried an exasperated Lakshman. Preparing for the UPSC and meanwhile to maintain my student status, I have registered for a course in the Pushtu department where there are three professors and only one student he informed him cheerfully. What happens when you don't go for class? asked Lakshman in open-mouthed wonder. Ah, that's a problem. Once I didn't go continuously for two weeks and Professor Khan turned up in my room. Luckily, I had seen him coming from a window and I jumped into bed, pulled my head sheet over my head and tried to appear very unwell. He beamed at his acting prowess. The professor told me that if I didn't come for another day, the department might wind up. So you see, they are dependent on me for their jobs. And Professor Khan knows that I am preparing for the UPSC. So he sets an easy exam paper for me. Bhagu ended happily. Lakshman trailed behind him to his room. For a student, this ground floor coffee room was quite well furnished, with a carpet and a shining two-in-one in one corner. A gleaming new motorbike was parked along outside. Parkchan saw Lakshman staring and declared with pride, Ah, these are the perks of my job. He winked and smiled out slyly. Don't act so innocent. The shopkeepers from UP are always keen on avoiding sales tax payments. So, I overlook the status, uh, the tax returns, and in return they gave me with this motorbike, this gold chain. I quite like my job. His thick mag- spectacles magnified his eyes naturally. Lakshman wanted to throw up and had to rush out. Outside, on the Jhelum lawn, one curly-haired youth was giving an impassioned speech. We have always had dreams of an apocalyptic upheaval. Primordial uprisings have been the front-runners of revolutionary movements. Peasants dreams out of a just world. That's the only way to wrench power from the elites and give it to these people. Loud shouts of, here, here, greeted his pronouncement. The orator continued. What is political power? Legitimacy of political power is not a matter of the beliefs or the popularity of the government. It deals with the ubiquitous factor in politics which invents invest power with authority. When citizens actively participate in it, legitimacy is of political power is not a matter of the beliefs or the popularity of the government. 